Yo, what's going on guys? It's BRJ back with another BRJ Weekly. Um, so going on right now, we've got the college football playoff, the NFL playoffs, all that fun stuff going on. Um, there's a lot to talk about. You can talk about the eight teams, I can talk about the NFL playoffs, all that good stuff. There's a lot of good questions that you guys have sent in, so I do want to answer most of those. Um, this may be a little bit longer. I'm probably going to record this in two parts because... I only have like 20 minutes right now to do this first part, but I will do the rest later and upload it either tonight or tomorrow, so you'll be either listening to this tonight, which is Thursday, or you'll be listening to this like Friday midday, like around noon or whatever. Um, so, the playoffs have been set, I'm excited, my Trojans are number six, man, you know, we're playing Georgia round one, should be fun, should be good, should be exciting um so there's a lot going on these playoffs i mean a lot of people think they know how it's gonna go they think all the top seeds are gonna win but will that happen we don't know um i'm sorry i'm just kind of rambling right now but i think this uh playoff this year is pretty like really interesting you know either way i like every single team seems to be very active and there's not too much difference between them but uh, there's one thing I want to talk about, and it's um, the topic of predictability in the league. Um, so when there's two ranked teams, I go at it. Usually, I'll look at the rosters to see who's the better team roster-wise, and if they who ma- if who matches up better against the other team. That that goes into effect as, as well. And then activity of the team. Activity goes a really long way. I would say it's probably 60% activity. 20% roster, 20% like um, fit, like uh, matchup fit. You know what I mean? It's it, this is like a little formula, like off the top of my head. I'll probably give you for how the games go, but activity does go a really long way. So, I mean, every game can be predictable because you have a 50% chance of getting it right. Who's gonna win? I mean, and um, most of the times, the best teams in the country are the most active teams in the country. So it's not, it's not really fair to those teams for me to make them lose games to teams that have a worse roster than them, aren't as active as them, and just don't match up well. Like that, that doesn't, that's not fair to the great teams. So keep that in mind when a game is quote unquote predictable. I think that's just something you guys need to be a little more aware about that type of stuff. I mean, I'm not like complaining or anything, but I'm just trying to inform you guys on. What really goes down in the league? Um, I mean, I'm excited for all these matchups, though. Let's get right back into the playoff. Um, LSU and Oregon match up again for, like, the fourth time in the past two, three years. It's going to be really exciting. Um, it's a lot of interesting storylines, especially the Oregon side uh, with Blaine the third. And I don't know. They're, I don't know. I think they're all good, though. Um, we got Texas and A&M playing against each other. That's going to be interesting. Nonetheless, the battle of Texas. Uh, Minnesota and Boston College, man. Everyone's sleeping on this matchup, man. I, I think everyone's sleeping. I think everyone's just brushing it off saying, uh, Minnesota's got this one in the bag, man. You sleeping on the Boston College Eagles. Stop sleeping on the Eagles, man. They won the ACC for a reason. Um, and then Georgia and USC. That should be the Heisman winner versus maybe the best defense in the league. I didn't say that, though. Um, so, yeah. A lot of good matchups. Um, I made the whole. I made the whole um, playoff award, playoff selection show video myself. So I thought I, I was very proud of myself for that. And um, 
it's something that I would like to do in the future more. Since it was fun. I don't know. I had someone who was going to make it for me, but he couldn't do it in time. So, that's tough. So, I did it myself. It took me, like, two and a half, three hours. But it was fun. Um, I think I just want to hop right into questions. Because I don't know. I feel like some of the, like, ranty stuff that I want to talk about, I can save for the off season Because I feel like I just want to talk about the playoff and stuff right now. That's just what I want to talk about. Uh, let's see. Let's see what we got. Let's see what we got. Bapta Hill asked... Does coaching actually play a role in games like experience, accomplishments, etc.? Um, I do. I think there's coaches in this league that are like known for what certain things they have. Like uh, you yourself and John Reigns, you guys are more defensive coaches. That's why you guys play have a lot more low scoring but good defensive performances. I think that really goes a long way in coaching. Um, Coach Cubs of Northwestern is able to keep his team in the in that eight to four or better range, and he's able to win some games that maybe his roster doesn't think they should win. Really, because he he's a good coach and he's done this for a while, so he you just got to think, oh, he probably has that edge because he's a better coach and all that stuff. So yes, it does play a role. It really does a little bit. It's not like a like a crazy insurmountable amount of persuasion on the game. No, it's just it's it plays a role though. It does play a role a little bit. Um, I'm not going to, like, say who has the best offense, who has the best defense. I'm not going to answer those questions because that's, like, kind of, it makes it kind of biased. What is the impact of having a star QB versus other teams that have more game managers? I mean, a star QB can take over a game, man. And uh, game managers can also win you a game, but you've got to have a good defense in order to win with a game manager or a good run game. So I think I think star quarterbacks can definitely take over a game. But there's not many star quarterbacks really in the playoff. Partrice, I, I think, is star is up up in the star level. Um, Thornton and Hobbs are like borderline. Sappington's border, borderline. Cortez, I wouldn't say is a star. Speed, I say is borderline. Lane is not a star. I don't know. That's tough. I don't. There's not too many like amazing quarter. I mean, Jackson Allen's not in there. I mean, Shamar Stevens, the Heisman's in there. He could take over a game himself, maybe. We'll see. Game by game X factor. Who do I think plays? That's like so tough for me to really say, but like, cause that's like, cause that's kind of like how I script. So I'm gonna leave that for the media pages to decide who the X factors are for each game. I'll, I'll leave it at that. Um, let's see what we got. What else we got? Martello asks, who are the teams that will most likely repeat as conference champions next year? Minnesota will probably repeat. Um, or I would say Minnesota has the best chance to repeat. I could see Texas and I could see LSU repeating. I could see Boston College repeating. I could see I could see Oregon repeating. And UNLV. I could see really almost everyone repeating, but you never really know what will happen next year. I don't want to predict. I don't want to give y'all insight into next year. Most underrated team of the eight? Uh, probably Boston College is the most underrated team. I think everyone's sleeping on them. I think they're gonna. I think that will be one of the better games. I don't know though. I still haven't really looked into the matchups, like the activities, all that crap. Most overrated team in the playoffs? I'm not allowed to say that. 
Are the games going to be scripted or highlights like you did in the tournament? No, all, all the playoff games will be scripted, and so will the New Year's Six Bowls and the, and the like, custom bowls that we have. Those will all be scripted. Who's the player to watch for all eight teams? I wouldn't say this is X Factor, but I will give you guys who I think the player to take note of for each team is. We'll start with Oregon. I think the player you got to watch out for is Christian Lee, the third, the quarterback. I mean, he's going to play a huge role if they can take down LSU. I think the defense is good. I also think those front seven guys are players to look out for. Trey Prince, Carbon Collins Jr., uh, Trayvon Honcho. Harrison, those are some guys to watch out for. Need to make plays in order to win. Boston College, player to look out for. Jordan Speed, man. Everyone's sleeping on Jordan Speed. I'm giving me Jordan Speed. USC. That one's tough. I would hey, I would honestly really say Sappington. Or Donardo Williams. Sappington or Donardo Williams. And then uh AM. AM give me Arrow Williams. He's definitely the guy to watch out for. Um, Texas, the Longhorns, I would say their guy to watch out for is... Hmm, the Longhorns. Who is their guy to watch out for? I would probably go DJ Prince or Trez Smart, the corner and the receiver there. I think those are some underrated guys to watch out for. Georgia, Shamar Stevens, of course. You got to watch out for him, man. You already know he's going he's gonna to give USC some trouble. Number two, Minnesota. Who would I watch out for? The one player I'd watch out for in Minnesota is Herbert Cortez and how far, how well he can play against a good Boston College defense. And then LSU. LSU. Roquan Rambo's going to have to do a great job at linebacker to stop the Oregon Ducks. I think that's a guy you got to watch out for. The best defenses into the that are in the playoff. I would say USC, A&M, and Minnesota are like top three. And then you got Texas, LSU, and Boston College, Oregon, and Georgia like all in the mix after that. I think everyone's defense is pretty good though. Um, unpopular opinions on teams. Uh, I'm not going to share. I don't want to share, like, my thoughts on every team because I, I don't want you guys to, like, get conclusions on who you guys think is going to win because of how I see some of the teams. That's the thing with the script league. I can't really give away that information. That's not for me to really at- tell you guys. That's just kind of what you guys need to figure out yourselves, I guess. Or the media can talk about. It's not really my job to do that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I can't do it. A lot of these are just like, can we compete? What are the percentages of winning? Like, I can't. I don't, I'm not going to tell you guys that. Uh, but, let's see. I don't know what else I really have too much to talk about. We got Shamar Stevens won the highs, but a lot of people were a little upset about that. I thought he deserved it, but I think it could have gone a couple of different ways, so I'm not, like, 
I don't like it. It's cool. It's cool. It happens, you know. Um, NFL playoffs. That's all going good. My Titans just beat the Browns. It's exciting. That's exciting. Um, I don't know. What else should I talk about? Let's let me think. Let me think. You know what? Maybe I'll just stop here. I'm gonna stop here, guys, and I'll be back with another part later. I've got stuff to do right now, but. I'll be back later. Um, send him. I'll ask. I'll answer more questions later because I'll probably get some more by the time I get. Um, by the time I get back, so I'll be back with another part. I'll see you guys in a minute. All right, everybody. Um, here's segment two of the BAP podcast, BRJ Weekly. Um, I think all I'm gonna do for this segment, I'm just gonna talk about. In like a little in-depth team breakdown of every single team in the playoff and what it's gonna take for each and every team to make it this far or make it or just a win or to or uh, make it all the way whatever you know what I mean um we're just gonna talk about each team their strengths their weaknesses all that good stuff um we're gonna start with the LSU we're gonna start with uh the number one C versus number eight C which is LSU versus Oregon let's talk about LSU real quick. Their offense, they have no seniors on offense. They got some guys like uh, Andrew Partrice and Cameron Bowden, who are juniors, though. Partrice has emerged a little bit later, late, um, a little bit later in this season. He's emerging as a top quarterback in this league, and he is going to be what it takes for this offense to score points. Peters, JP2, the running back, is a freshman, five-star. He's been solid, nothing too crazy. He hasn't had to take a load of the offense as a... As much of a load of the offense as Partrice has, but uh, he's been solid. Could be a little bit better. Um, but Michael Washington's a star receiver in this league, and he's only a redshirt freshman, which is super crazy. Um, but he's a player to watch out for LSU in the receiving court. Their receivers are really good. Him, Bowden, Flash Miller, and Ja'Cory Savage are all good. Carter Hughes, a tight end, is a uh, top 20 tight end in the league, which is not any shame to him. But um, their offense is good. They do have some question marks as to whether they can consistently score points. Are they the best offense in the playoff? I don't know. Maybe not. They have a lot of inexperience. None of these guys have played in the like a big major game the way some of the other guys have. I mean, Partrice has, but Peters his first year here. Washington his first year here. Bowden his first year here. Ja'Cory Savage his first year here. So, and defensively, their D line is a bit of a their weak point on defense dr singletary leads the group at dn they got some guys though that are active but not crazy active like mac dupree damian green and denzel frazier um none of those guys are any older than a sophomore so they're very young and inexperienced in the linebacking core you have roquan rambo who's a, who's uh, emerged as a top freshman in this league um dude's gonna be a stud the guys around him are Jordan Joker, Kwame Phillips, and Devontae Crenshaw. Crenshaw is probably the best role player on the, those linebackers outside of uh, Rambo, of course. So, Crenshaw's a good um, supporting cast. Same with Phillips. Joker can improve, but they do run a 3-4 system, meaning all four of those linebackers play. That's their weak spot kind of right now is that seventh guy in their front seven, whether it's that fourth linebacker or that fourth D lineman. They just need. They do have a little bit of activity issues on that in the front seven, but it's. I don't think it could kill them, to, um, because of how good their secondary is. And let's talk about the secondary. 
a lot of young guys as well. No one older than a sophomore. Debo Alice has emerged. He's he's a star in this league already. Trevon Hardy is the other side cornerback, the boundary corner. He's a freshman. He's played well as a freshman, so and he stepped up big in some big games for LSU. And the deep in the safeties are hot. Walton Callaway Jr. and Kamari Rogers both have played well this season. So, um. LSU's a young team. They don't have too much playoff experience. They made it pretty far last year. Um, surprisingly, it was a surprising little run. But they got a lot of guys who have stepped up and played really well this season. And they've won big games. They beat Oregon. They beat um, Texas A&M. They beat Alabama. They beat Auburn. So, And they beat Florida. Or Florida's not good this season, but they beat Florida. But, uh, yeah, so that's what I got to say about LSU. Let's talk about the Oregon Ducks. Oregon's an interesting team. They really are. But they're a good team. Hmm. Offensively, you've got Christian Lane, the third at quarterback, dual threat guy, Richard Jr. He's had some activity issues, but he's starting to pick it up here in the playoffs. Their biggest question mark is the running back situation. Who can stand out if anybody will? Right now, it's DJ Wagner is the guy, but. There's opportunities for guys like Kilpatrick and Khalil to step up and take some carries and make a difference. It could be really be a real a big difference for this Oregon team if they want or not. Receiver, they got Jamelo Ball, Alec Vrana, uh, and Mike Car- Carbone, I guess. But uh, Jamelo and Vrana are great receivers. They just got to get the ball in their hands. They got to find a way. Um, both are outside receivers, so Oregon offense has some has some has a little bit of a limit. They don't have a tight end either, so their run game isn't all that. Lane the third is going to have to make a big difference for them to win, but their defense will be able to keep them in the game as they've got a really good defense. Guys like Trayvon Honcho and Tyler Harrison have been really great in the D-line, on the D-line for them. Linebackers, Carmen Collins Jr., Trey Prince, Xavier Ellett. They've, these guys are all freshmen, and they've all played really, really well. Trey Prince was a freshman All-American, I think, or maybe he might have just missed it, but he was close. Um, Carmen Collins Jr. could have been one, too. But that's another thing with this uh, Oregon team is they're young. They are young on defense, just like uh, just like LSU. Is. They, the highest or the oldest guy they have on their defense defense that starts in the front seven is uh is uh Trayvon Honcho who's a junior they have no seniors on the in the front seven in the secondary though that's a little bit of a different case they have some senior leadership as uh Zaire Gonzalez is a redshirt senior corner they got Caleb Neely the redshirt senior free safety their DBs are very very elite Jordan Williams is great but Junior Sosa might be the difference maker for Oregon He's a guy to watch out for. To make he he just needs to make some plays for Oregon. They need they need guys who can make plays. And Junior Sosa brings that electric playmaking ability for on the Oregon defense. Malik Riley's also a very very underrated strong safety. He's only a sophomore too, so he's got a ton of time to become a beast. Um, but yeah, their their DBs are really gonna have to play well because LSU has a good passing game. But Oregon's a good team nonetheless. I mean, both of these teams are pre- are like it's just an, it's just this is a good matchup. I really like this matchup. They kind of match up sort of well as in terms of they're both young teams and they both have inexperience in big, big games. They've played each other, though, recently in the past couple years, as I think I want to say LSU or uh, in the past like two, three years, LSU is 3-0 and against them. They've played in back to back. I want to say week one games against each other. 
Let me make sure before I get this wrong. Hold on. I know they played this year week one, and the winner was LSU. They were ranked four and five. LSU beat them 33-23. So, I mean, I, I, I know Coach Ryan wants this win. You got to know he wants this win as they've... Um, they just they want it. You know they got it. You know they gotta want it. You know they gotta want it. I wanna say they played Yeah, they played in the playoff last year in the tournament and LSU won 38-34 when Oregon was ranked a lot higher than them. As it was a shootout, basically. And let's see that week they played week one that year and I wanna say LSU won. Yeah, LSU or no Oregon. No Oregon did win the first time. Okay, twenty eight twenty one. Okay, it's two one. My bad. I messed that up. My bad. All right, let's get on to the next matchup though. Is that's part four of the Oregon LSU series? Um, Minnesota and Boston College. Minnesota is a great team. They're always great. Coach Hill's got his squad. Let's talk about their offense a little bit. Offensively, they're pretty young. Besides, um. A uh, senior who transferred in, Jamari Pickens. He's been a good senior leadership, I guess, in that for those receivers. Daniel Scoobs, the emerging star, in my opinion, as he's a sophomore, he's becoming a beast. Um, Bishop Thornburg, the tight end, is also a stud. But this team is is known for their ground and pound. Jaquan Sitt is going to be the one that leads this offense. As their biggest question mark on offense is the quarterback, Herbert Cortez. Can he stay consistent? Will he turn the ball over? Those are a lot of questions against a good Boston College defense they're going to be facing up against today. But um, let's talk about their defense. I think their defense is a little bit. I'm, I'm going to say it. I don't want you. I don't want Mr. Hill to get mad at me. I don't need people on my head. But I want to say that Minnesota defense a, a tad, a tad overrated. Just a tad. Just a tad. So I do know that Jonathan Jones, the transfer, is red or who registered all season is playing. They got a couple of guys who are doing that. I mean, it's gonna. I, I want to. It's gonna have to affect a little bit. They've been practicing all year with the team, but they haven't played a single game. So they'll have Jonathan Jones though at the D, as a D end, meaning I don't know. They run a three four though, so it's a little weird. He might not play too much. They got um big baby's a stud though on the D line. Darnell Parker is their interior lineman. He's a freshman, but he's been great. Uh, Frank Frank Fitzgerald's been uh. Just a consistent rock on the D-line. Nothing too crazy out of him, but he makes he's a good player for that defense. He's a senior as well. So The linebackers are what their uh, pride and joy are. They got Kenfro Drake, Jamal Husky, Kanye Cuerto, and Jameer Watson Jr. is a good linebacking core. I don't think a single one of those guys are like elite, elite linebackers, as you can see on some of these other teams that will like make or break them make or break winning game for Minnesota, but they are good collectively as a unit, so you got to give them props for that. And the, their DBs are good in their in their experience. You got DJ Holt and TJ Henderson, the outside corner boundary corners, are seniors. Jupiter Floyd is a transfer in from TCU. They got JC Payton Jr. who will be playing, and a Jelani Johnson I think will be playing a little bit. Those guys are all nickel guys for them. That's going to be a little interesting to see how they get incorporated or how much of an impact they really make for Minnesota this to in the playoff um their safeties they have brady rogers coming back who's been red shirting all season and he's gonna be coming in and starting at free safety which i don't know i think it's gotta play a little bit of of a negative for minnesota a little bit but he's a great player nonetheless so he might be perfectly fine 
And then they got Rocky Rainbow, who was a strong safety, who was a Heisman finalist, so. Minnesota defense has a bunch of studs. I will say that, but I think they are a tad overrated. I think everyone thinks they're just the undisputed number one defense in the league. Well, I think there's some other teams that have a good good shot at that 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 uh, at that title. Nonetheless, Minnesota is a great team, and I think Boston College will give them a run for their money. Though I don't think Minnesota should walk, just walk past this game. Alrighty, let's start. Let's talk about the seven seed Boston College. Man, the Eagles had a good year. They won the ACC. Jordan Speed, the Ryan Stone connection was something. Was a great duo um, this season. Caleb Perkins has been up and down at running back. I think he's starting to pick it up though. Um, Storm Powers has been a good freshman receiver for them, who stepped it up big time. And Zeke Payton's been a solid tight end for them. Um, their offense isn't flashy, but they make plays and uh, they heavily rely on their defense to keep them in the games. But their offense. Their offense is no, um, nothing to just walk past. I think Jordan Speed and Ryan Stone are going to have to make some plays, though, if they want to beat Minnesota. Um, defensively, their D-line's pretty good. It's not too elite. They got Justin Ace, Jalen Sanford, the D-tackle. And you got Monte Miller, the D-end. Monte Miller is probably the best of that group. He's been solid all season. None of these guys are really that, um... This is also a young team in the playoff. They have like they have no seniors on this team, so that's gonna be play a little bit of a, of a role for them. And then the linebackers they have Dante Mack, Boop, Boop Boyardi, and Andrew Joseph. Mack and Boyardi have been um, surprisingly really, really well or really, really good for Boston College, especially Boyardi. He's been a great he's been great inside linebacker as a freshman. Um, Dante Max have to make some plays for Minnesota. That's the thing that I think that separates Boston College and Minnesota just a little bit like the linebackers in comparison. I think Dante Mack is someone that can change the game compared to the Minnesota linebackers. I'm it's no knock against them, but I think Dante Mack can just make that X factor play. The DBs for the Boston College Eagles, you got Requisite Jackson, you got DJ King, CJ Jarrett. Those are your three corners you'll most likely be seeing. Maybe you'll see some Jalen Reed, maybe some Adam Escobar. But Requisite Jackson has been a beast as a sophomore. DJ King's been solid and consistent as a redshirt sophomore. Their two boundary corners are really, really good. And I think they match up pretty well against those uh, Minnesota receivers. But they're going to have a run for their money, of course. It's going to be an interesting matchup on the outside. Um, the safeties, though, are the bright spots of this Minnesota defense as Anthony Colangelo and Enzo Maximus have been balling out all season. Colangelo is one of the elite safeties in this league. Um, Enzo Maximus is also a good safety. I wouldn't call him elite, but he's a good safety. And him um, him and uh, Colangelo complement each other. So I think this Minnesota team's not a walk in the park, and I think they're going to give it their all and hope they can beat Minnesota here and make hopefully or not hopefully but try to win a national championship hmm. next let's talk about the three versus six matchup the west coast georgia bulldogs the west coast offense georgia bulldogs but uh against the usc trojans shamar stevens won the heisman so USC, I think USC is a really great defense, but Georgia's uh, Shamar Stevens is an X factor who can make plays, and USC is gonna have to be on their A game to stop him. The running back Jamon Foster has been really, really, really up and down, but he's on the upscale right now. 
So I think he'll be a solid contributor for them, whether it be catching the ball or running the ball. Devontae King and Jalen Lamprey have been good receivers on the outside. Jalen Prey has been pretty surprising as a freshman. He has balled out, helped Mr. Stevens win the Heisman, of course. Um, and they have Dirty Bird, the tight end, who's been pretty good for them. Uh, nothing too crazy. On as a after Shamar on this offense, they have nothing that's like completely game changing. They're all good players, but none of them are game changers. If you know what I mean. Malik Taysun's on this team as a wide receiver four, the former five star recruit. Sad to see him just be terrible, I guess. Um, defensively, their their front seven is not very complete, but they have good players. Demarcus Henderson has been a stud as a freshman for Georgia. He has sacked the quarterback amongst um or what was it? I don't even know what I was gonna say, but he sacked the quarterback a lot this season. He's been a great, great, great playmaker on the D line for them. And Jair Brown's been a good good linebacker as a freshman. Um. He has a little bit of dis dis wait what the fuck I'm saying that wrong this is I can't even say it disciplinary yeah disciplinary I just said it wrong but you know what I'm saying um he has some issues there he, I mean he's cool they just don't have a complete front seven which might could hurt them could hurt them but the DBs are another their safeties are their bright spot really Kavon Davis and Trey Lambs are two of the best safeties in the league right now or not in the league but in the SEC Trey Lambs is one of the more better safeties in the league. As a redshirt freshman, too, he's been balling out. He's been the leader of that defense. Their corners are a little rocky, but their safeties are very good. Georgia is a good team. They deserve to be here after what they've accomplished this season. And they take on my Trojans. Um, let me give a really quick and unbiased view of the USC Trojans. Offensively, they have a ton of ton of weapons, or they have, they have some weapons. I wouldn't call I wouldn't call this a ton of weapons, but Sappington in the passing game has receivers like James Parker, Trey Holloway Jr., Isaiah Fennerty Jr., and he had the tight end Mark Andrews. The two guys to really watch out for are James Parker and Trey Holloway Jr. as they are big, big vertical threats, and that's what this USC passing offense is. It's vertical threats, and then you got Tiki White who can run the ball. He's probably the best freshman running back in the league. Um, he has come up big for the Trojans in big games. Defensively, they probably have the best defensive line in the league with Ari Andrews, Jamal Sutton, Alonzo Collinson, and Eli Jones. Eli Jones won the Lombardi Award, I think, or Nagurski is one of the two. Um, and they have Jamal Sutton and Alonzo Collinson, who are both All-Americans. Ari Andrews was a first-team Pac-12 All-American, but did not make the NCAA ones. But they, their they're, uh, D-line is elite, the elite of the elite in the league. So I think every quarterback's got to be a little scared of that, especially I think Shamar Stevens might have a little trouble. I mean, like, because of how good that D-line is, a lot any quarterback would have trouble against that D-line, and they have all season. Linebackers, so uh, USC runs a little bit of a 4-3 and a 3-4. So they've got Aaron Hill and Michael Dequil IV, who are both the... 100% starters on the linebacking core. Aaron Hill and DeQuill um, have been good this season. Aaron Hill is a redshirt senior, projected top 10 pick in the draft. And then that third guy and that fourth guy, really a bit of a little bit of a toss up. You got La Witt who plays most or majority, I would say. And then you have Javari Armstrong who plays a lot, and especially Jones who plays a lot. Armstrong and especially Jones bring some senior seniority to that linebacking core. 
as the linebacking core is really their seniority of the defense in the team as uh Aaron Hill Javari Armstrong and especially Jones are all seniors but they just got a ton of dudes that are pretty good at linebacker or at the linebacker position Lawitz has been a little bit on the uprise of the of the bunch of like DeQuill Witt Armstrong and Jones I would I would uh predict that you'd see a lot of Aaron Hill Lawitz Armstrong and DeQuill those four probably will play the most of the five they have. And then the secondary, they just lost Xavier Bourne to transfer, meaning they probably won't play too much nickel or dime coverage. Because they can't afford to. But they have Donardo, who's been a good player as a uh, corner this season. Derwin Schultz is the other outside corner who's been solid. Donato's been stepping up as of late. Derwin could be a little bit of a liability, but I think he'll be okay against the Georgia receivers, but that could hurt them down the line, or even it could even hurt them in this game. We really don't know. The safeties are young, but they're um they're good players. You can't you can't just sleep on them due to them being freshmen. Jordan Josh was a redshirt freshman. He's the free safety. He's been pretty good. He's been a, he's a Pac-12 All-American, and then you got Jalen Ball Jr., the four-star recruit. He's done well as a strong safety. He started all season, and he's done well. Um, I would say their weak spot of the defense would have to be the secondary, but that front seven is really, 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 really good. So they don't really have to depend on their secondary to ball out for them. All right, and the last matchup we'll talk about today is. The number four Texas Longhorns taking on number five A&M, Texas A&M Aggies. Let's talk about the Longhorns first. Texas is an interesting group. They have some playmakers on offense, whether you think so or not. Peyton Thornton's been a good quarterback, a good game manager quarterback, as that's what John Reigns wants in a quarterback. He doesn't want a quarterback who can take over a game. That's just not how he's been yet. He's had maybe one quarterback all his whole career who's been able to do that, and that was Sean Watson at Ohio State. Thornton's a good quarterback, but I wouldn't say he's an elite, an elite, elite quarterback. Um, their running back situation's a little weird. They have a little uh, fire and ice, some little ground and pound. Malik Lynch is the power back, I would say, and then Trevor White's been emerging as a bit of a better running back to, for them to use as a little bit of a scat back for them. Um, so I would think Trevor White's going to get the majority of the carries for the Longhorns, but Malik Lynch will definitely be um, involved there, especially in on a third and short or any short um, short yard situations the receivers have some they have some playmakers they got Trez Samar who can make plays with the ball in his hands and Jordan Wall who's a big possession jump up and get the ball receiver so but they don't have a really clear slot guy which can hurt them but I like Trez Smart's ability to make plays with the ball as he converted from corner to receiver at tight end they have DeAndre Baker as a freshman has been come up big for them in some big games he's a good vertical threat for them not much to talk about about him but he can be a bit of a playmaker slash game changer for texas here defensively their dean line is their bright spot along with their secondary ethan whitaker is a stud at dn along with devin flame the junior is a stud at dn d tackle is going to be reese Kleiner, who's um playing his three final games of his redshirt year 
He's probably their best defensive tackle on the roster, but he's been redshirting because they want to um, preserve his eligibility. They also have guys like Josh Hellner and Jacob Justice Jr. Their D tackles are young. They're all freshmen, so that is something to look out for. And they also have J.J. Sanders, who will be playing this playoff. He's a freshman as an occasional uh, pass rusher. At the linebacking core, it's probably their weak spot of the defense. You have Clay Jackson. You got Adam Jones, Corn Young. They're not crazy good. Corn Young has regressed a little bit. Clay Jackson's been solid, not elite. I wouldn't call him better than Roquan Rambo, the LSU linebacker, or I wouldn't call him better than Dante Mack, the Boston College linebacker we were talking about earlier with that little comparison. Um, Adam Jones is solid though. Nothing too crazy from that. Linebacking court just isn't playmaking group. It's just not. It's just not going to be a reason why they want to lose. I feel like, I mean, it could be a reason why they lose, but. Their linebackers are not the best of the of the bunch of teams here in the playoff. I would it's a lot of teams that have better linebackers than them. That's just their weak spot. But they do make up for it in the D line and their secondary. Their secondary is very, very good. You have DJ Prince, Ray Ray Smith, the boundary corners who have been balling out all season. They're both sophomores and they're both really, really good. Then you got a little bit of a mix in the nickel spot. You got Jalen Hawk and Kanye Collins who will be battling him. I think they'll both get reps there in this game against AM, but and I think one of these guys couldn't make a play for them. I wouldn't be surprised if they did. And then the safeties are really, really, really good. AJ Gaines, a strong safety, and Damian Griffin, the free safety. Neither of them are a senior, but both of them are really, really good. AJ Gaines was a second-team All-American this season. Um, as AJ Gaines is the, is the playmaker of the defense, he just makes things happen. It's a big hit, forces a fumble, picks off a pass, returns it. You know, that's just how he is. Coach John Reigns is one of the best coaches in this league's all time, league all time. He keeps his defense stout. They have a ton of guys on defense. They have, their pers- their uh, depth is not an issue here. It's going to be really if their offense can make plays for them or if AM can stop them or if AM's offense can make plays on them. Let's talk about the Aggies, though, here. Coach Andrews' first playoff with the Aggies. They have Jalen Hobbs, a quarterback. He's a playmaker. He can run. He can throw. He's had some uh, a big question mark on his decision making sometimes, or his turnovers has been have been a question. But I think he's a great player. Running back, they have Kalon Dalla, the senior, the transfer from Florida State. He's been surprisingly better than I expected this season, and hopefully he can, for the Aggies' sake, they can he can continue that into the playoffs and give them a little bit of a spark on the ground. Um, receiver, receiving wise, they have a little bit of a, it's just a little weird. Malik Baker and Jacob Smith are your outside guys, but Trill Taylor is the true star of the receivers. He is the slot guy. He's a stud. And then you have De'Ami Fox and Deion Sanders Jr. Who are also at outside slash slot guys who you can see playing a little bit here today or not today, but just when they play, um, Deion Sanders Jr. is a little bit of a stud I've heard in practice. And then uh, the tight end, Julius Floyd, has been pretty good as a vertical threat for this team. He's, he can block and he can catch the ball. So A&M offense is good. But it's going to really come down to can Jalen Hobbs make the plays for them against the Texas defense. Are they going to be able to pass the ball against those really good that really great secondary? We'll have to find out. Defensively, though, the A&M or Texas A&M Aggies are very, very good. Isaac Lopez, a D-tackle who nearly won the Heisman last season, won one of those awards, Nagurski or Lombardi, I don't remember which one, but he's a beast, a D-tackle. 
And then DN, they have uh, Darius Glick and Tyrese Edwards, who have been solid, not super amazing. Their D line is honestly my biggest question mark for them. As I think the D line is a lot more important than some of these teams realize. Um, linebackers, though, are probably maybe the best group of any team. Um, Blake Cook, the outside linebacker, Amari White, the middle linebacker, and Jalen Hester, the other outside linebacker, are a group of studs as they run a 4-3 system. But uh, Amari White's a stud. Blake Cook is going to be a top 15 pick in the draft. And Jalen Hester is uh, a little bit of a, not want to say emerging, but growing into a role as a, as a great player on this defense. As he's a little bit overshined by those other great linebackers and guys like Isaac Lopez. Cornerback-wise, it's a bit interesting. They have Rashawn Schultz as their number one corner. We all know he'll probably stay there. He was an All-American. But after that, you got Trayvon Adams and Malik Metcalf. I think Malik Metcalf might get a might get the jump at cornerback two. Their cornerback three, if it's if it's Trey Adams, is a little bit of a question mark as he's hasn't played well recently. But Malik Metcalf could get the could get the nod at cornerback two for the playoffs. And their safeties, Arrow Williams and Jordan Neon. Arrow Williams is a complete stud. Won the Jim Thorpe Award, the best DB in the country. Um, and then Jordan Neon's a good safety as well to complement Arrow Williams. I would honestly compare the AM defense a little bit to Minnesota's, just a just a tad, just a tad. Maybe AM's is a bit better. I can't. It's so hard to really compare. Everyone has their bright spots and their weak points, so it's just really what you value more in a defense. I think all these defenses are really good, like AM, USC, Minnesota, Boston College. Texas, LSU, Oregon, and Georgia. They all have some good defenses. So that was my thoughts on all of these teams. Um, I think that's going to be it for me, though. I don't think I want to talk, give you guys predictions. I can't do that, but uh, I hope you all learned something new about these teams or learned or gained some knowledge. I don't know. But uh, I just finished... One of the non-year six bowls. I might get those out tonight. I probably, I don't know. I don't know. Tomorrow is my hope to do near six bowls tomorrow. And then we'll see what happens with playoffs. So, uh, I'll see you all later. Thank you all for listening. I'll be back. Probably a podcast either after round one of the playoffs or like before the championship. It'll be one of the two or even after the season. We'll see. I'll see you guys later though. Have a good one. Peace.